All right, there we go. Man, you guys are so friendly. I love it. I love it. It's so good. A couple things uh, just before we get started in, God, in God's Word and open up, open up the Bible together. So a lot, a lot of you, actually 60 of, of, not of just you, but between first and second service, have been in a membership class uh, the last couple of weeks and uh, committing yourself to membership and uh, wanted to let the whole church family know about that uh, uh, as uh, they've been going with Pastor Shea through that and filling out their their forms and uh, the covenants and and all those things together as we're going to welcome in 60 new people, about 60 new people in, into the church family by, by way of membership. And uh, uh, that's just been a, a special time, as, as Shay has mentioned that to me, uh, getting to know you guys in that way and spending time together in that way. Also, uh, last night uh, in this room, the youth met last night in what they call the Classic Gilly Awards here, awards show, and they had tables set up, and they were all dressed up, and had dinner together, and just had a fun fun time together, and uh, uh, if you guys would have seen it, you thought, wow, look at all these, they, they can dress up a little bit. The youth can, of tomorrow can look sharp, and they did, and uh, it was a good time, so thankful to to Jonah and all the staff who made that possible. Again, another 50 or so youth together here, just enjoying uh, being together uh, as, as, as youth and, and, uh, and then transforming the, the worship center back to what we have it right now so that we can, uh, we can dig into God's Word together. And let's do that. Turn to 1 Peter, if you would. We're going to keep making our way through 1 Peter. And uh, we have slowed down a bit, uh, maybe to nobody's surprise, but we have slowed down a bit in, in this section. It's just been too good to race through it uh, together. And we're taking uh, these three uh, different Christian virtues uh, one by one, and we're going to take a look at more of them, not next week and maybe not for a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at the topic of hospitality. Hospitality. I don't know the last time you heard a sermon on hospitality, uh, but that's what the text is in front of us. That's what the topic is in front of us. And we're in 1 Peter chapter 4, looking at verses 7 all the way down to verse 11. But specifically, we're going to look at just verse 9 this morning. But let's read the whole, uh, the whole paragraph there, starting in verse 7. It says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter gives to us here three admonitions to wrap our lives around when it comes to the second coming. He says at the very start, the end of all things is at hand, and that's the lens by which we're to view the Christian life, that Jesus Christ at any moment can come back, and will come back. And he simplifies down the Christian life into these three virtues, these three things by which you're to live your life. You know them by now. I've mentioned, to you that, uh, mentioned them to you by now the last couple weeks together. They are this. You need to love one another, show hospitality to one another, and serve one another. If you can, 
live the Christian life doing those three things, you will be effective for the kingdom of God. And it's very helpful to us to kind of simplify it down to that through the lens of the fact that Christ is going to return. So it gives us urgency. We live in expectation. We don't live in complacency. We don't live in laziness. We live in great, great expectancy that Christ is going to return. So what do we do? We love one another. We show hospitality to one another and we serve one another. And all of that is motivated, first of all, by prayer. We start out each day in prayer. We live our lives in prayer and we close out the day in prayer. The priority is on prayer. And then out of that prayer comes how we live the Christian life. But the first thing we need to do is this, ask ourselves, why would Peter add hospitality to this list? I mean, there's a lot of Christian virtues that Peter could have, could have thrown in this list. There's a lot of things he could have said that we, we could do together. He, we, we could have uh, uh, heard Peter say this, to honor one another. Why didn't Peter say, be patient with one another? Why didn't Peter say, be kind to one another? Why didn't Peter say, teach one another, comfort one another, exhort one another? He didn't choose to say any of those. He chose the word hospitality. He wanted to teach us about how to be hospitable to one another. But why? But why? Well, let's look back. Because context is king. We can't just rip verse 9 out of its context. We got to put it in the context of not only the, the paragraph there, but also the entire book. So let's go all the way back to chapter 1 and verse 1, and let's follow Peter's train of thought to help us understand why hospitality is so important to the original audience by which this letter was written. And if you go back all the way to verse 1, of chapter one, it says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience of Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. The verse, first thing he tells us is this, that this letter is written to elect exiles, to sojourners, to outcasts. He wants us to understand that this letter is written to believers who understand that they are not of this world. They've been chosen by God to be outcasts and sojourners in the sense that they are suffering for their faith in a world that finds their faith off-putting. And so they're strangers. They're aliens in a foreign land. Their faith, their belief, their pursuit of holiness has separated them from the world, so they talk differently, they act differently, they behave differently. They're not the same as everybody else in the world. They are sojourners, they are elect exiles, and Peter says that from the very start. I understand this. You are not like the rest of the world. You're different. You're set apart under righteousness. You're to be holy as God is holy. And he wants them to understand that literally from the second line of this letter. You have to view life as a sojourner. I think many quote-unquote Christians burn themselves out because they try to act so much like the world. They live 
their lives trying to blend the world into the Christian life. And they can't figure out why they're not effective for Christ. Because all they want to do is look just like the world. Where's the line? I want to keep pushing the line. I want to keep pushing the line. I want to, I want to, I want to act as much like the world. And then try to say, hey, I'm going to be effective for Christ by looking just like the world. This is true not only for, for those uh, who are trying to live the Christian life, but it's also for, for churches. Churches aren't supposed to look like the world. Churches aren't supposed to say, hey, culture, define for me what the church is, and I'm going to pull in whatever you think is right and wrong into the church, and that's how we're going to live the Christian life. No, no, that's not it at all. The church is to be different. The church isn't to say, hey, culture, tell me how to run the church. Hey, church, hey culture, tell me when I should be open on Sundays. Tell me if I should have church on Sundays. That's not how we live the Christian life. That's not how the church is run. There's a church in the area that said, hey, on Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to bring Santa Claus into the church. And we're going to sit on Santa's lap and take pictures. That's going to be our Sunday morning. That's giving in to the culture. That's not living like an exile. That's not living like a sojourner. That's living like the world and saying, world, you define Christianity, you define the church, and I will live by that. No, listen, Christian, you're different. You're to live differently. You're to act differently. And Peter wants you to know that from the very start. And so he goes on, he says this, you have been sprinkled by his blood. You have a living hope. It's Jesus Christ. He tells us that in verse 3. He goes down and says, you're going to go through suffering. It's testing your faith. Do you truly believe? That's why the suffering is there. He goes down in verse 16 and 17 and says, you're called to holiness. You're not called to be like the world. You're called to holiness. Pursue holiness. He goes down into chapter 2 and verse 11, and he tells us again. Look at it. Chapter 2, verse 11. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Stop acting like the world. Start acting like a believer. Separate yourself from the culture. Separate yourself from the world. You're a sojourner. You're an exile. You're not of this world. Let them see your good deeds. And when they see your good deeds, what's going to happen? They're going to glorify God on the day of visitation. How are you an effective Christian? You're an effective Christian by being different than the world. Well, how does that play out? Well, you need to live in submission. Submission to who? Well, you need to live in submission to the government. You need to live in submission to that unruly boss. He keeps going. You live in submission to the government. You live in submission to that unruly boss. You live in submission to those who are reviling you in verse 23. You live in submission as an unbelieving wife or as a believing wife to your unbelieving husband in chapter 3. In verses 1 all the way down to verse 7. In chapter 80 or in, or in chapter 3 and verse 8, he tells us the attitudes of the believer. This is the attitude that we're supposed to have. We live in unity of mind and sympathy. We have brotherly love. We have a tender heart. We have a humble mind. We don't repay evil for evil. We don't revile when reviled against. On the contrary, we bless one another. And then we go down in, verse, in chapter 3, and we go all the way down uh, into verse 15. It says, but 
but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. So now we're always ready to give a defense for the life that we're living. And we do so with what? We do so with gentleness and we do so with respect. And then in chapter four, he tells us this, don't go back to the old life. Don't go back there. You're gonna wanna go back there. You're gonna go wanna go and you're gonna wanna pursue uh, the sins of the world. You're going to want to go back and, and, and you're going to want to go back and you want to live a life of sensuality. You want to live a life of passions. You're going to want to live a life of drunkenness, of orgies, of drinking parties and lawless idolatry. You're going to want to go there. That time has passed. That's not you anymore. That's your past. Don't do that. Keep pursuing holiness. Keep living the Christian life. You're going to feel the tug to go back that way, but be reminded that God is going to judge the living and the dead. And then he turns a corner now in chapter four and verse seven, he turns a corner. He says, the end of all things is at hand. He gives us now a motivation to continue the Christian life. And what does he tell us to do? Love one another because you're going to need love if you're going to pursue the Christian life. You're going to need others to fervently love you. You're going to need to love one another if you're going to be different from the world, and you're going to be, and you're going to have to have those who are forgiving. That's why Peter says this, because we need one another if we're going to fight the Christian fight of faith. We need one another to love one another if we're going to actually act like sojourners and exiles in this world. We can't live the Christian life alone. We need one another. And so Peter says, hey, Christ is going to return. He's going to come back. Live in that, live in that urgency and start loving one another. No more infighting. No more bickering with one another. We get that from outside the church walls. Inside the church walls, we love one another and we cover a multitude of sins. If we're going to live like exiles, this is how we behave. This is what Peter's saying. He's encouraging them. And not only do we need to love one another, not only do we need to forgive one another, not only do we need to cover a multitude of sins, but what else do we need to do? We need to show hospitality to one another. We need to pull each other into each other's homes and encourage one another because the fight is real out there. If you're actually pursuing holiness... That's why Peter says this. He says, living the, living the Christian life demands that we open up our homes. It demands that we show one another hospitality. It demands that we're kind to one another. It demands that we're, we show warmth to one another. We have warmth for one another. If we're not going to give in to the culture, then we need to be around those who also fight the good fight of faith with them. And we need to build those relationships with one another. We need to be willing to do all these things. Believers need a safe place to be with other believers. Because many believers are still saying no to the world. Many believers are still pushing back on the world and they need to find a place where they can be comfortable. During this time, when this was written, there was during the time where the, the church was very, very young, 
where the fight for the Christian faith was even much difficult than what we have it today. In fact, one historian says this about the Christian being a Christian during this time under Emperor, Emperor Nero. He says this, the Christian faith was effectively illegal. It was effectively illegal. There were corrupt courts that tar- targeted Christians during this time. They were slandered. They were mocked for being Christians. Even some wouldn't even go into the homes of unbelievers because going into the homes of unbelievers would mean that they'd have to participate in eating meat that was offered to idols and they weren't going to participate in that. It also meant that if they go to an unbeliever's homes, that there would be parties there, a lifestyle there that they didn't want to participate in anymore, so they couldn't even go into, uh, into those homes anymore. So they were, they were outcasts from those homes. They didn't want to go there because that meant a lifestyle that they were fleeing from. It meant persecution, and so in many ways, these early Christians had nowhere to go. The church was barely established during this time. These people believed in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. They were looking for a place to be in fellowship with one another, to be encouraged. And so this is why Peter says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Open up your home. Be kind to one another. Do it without grumbling. There's wounded warriors out there who need a a warm meal and just someone to encourage their hurting soul. That's what it comes down to. They just need someone who's going to take interest in them. They're fighting the good fight. And they're beaten down. And they've left an old lifestyle that was just mentioned to us in chapter 4. They left this old lifestyle. And they just need a place to go where somebody's going to love on them and care for them and not tempt them into sin, to encourage them. Believers who are hurting and effectively, Peter's saying this, would, would the believer be so inclined to open up their home to another believer, even a stranger, yes, believers as strangers, show them the love of God. Do so without complaining. This is what Peter asks of the church. This is why this Christian virtue is so important, because this really embodies what the church is all about. We love one another. We care for one another. We have warmth and a desire to help one another. And this was true in the early church here. It's true for us today. Is much of today isn't much different than back then. Christians are targeted. The Christian faith is targeted. It's not difficult. Uh, it is difficult to live amongst unbelievers at times. To be at work sometimes, or you're always just getting beaten down for your faith, or or you feel like you have no no opportunity to to share your faith, knowing that you're going to get persecuted, and you just need a place to go where you can just let your guard down. So this is what Peter says to these early first century Christians. Show hospitality to one another. When a stranger comes to your door, be different than the world and show them the love of God. 
encourage them. So that's why it's there. Now let's talk about what he means by this. Let me give you three, three points here out of this verse. Number one, I want to give you the action. I want to give you the recipient. And I want to give you the attitude of hospitality. First of all, the action. It says there this, show hospitality. Show hospitality. Now, actually, the word show is not in the original language. Uh, the ESV, the NASB suggests that this is an, an imperative uh, but actually, this is just a further description of what love is. Peter's just further describing what it means to love. He's already told us one description of love, which is to cover a multitude of sins, to be forgiving of one another. And now this one is another further description of love, which is to show hospitality to one another. And basically, he's saying this, keep showing hospitality to one another. Keep loving one another by now showing hospitality to each other. The word hospitable, is a, it's a compound word, and it means to be a friend to someone else, to wish somebody well. It means specifically to be friendly to strangers. To be hospitable in the medieval Latin word, it means to receive a guest into your home. It means to be fond of guests. It describes somebody who is generous and welcoming, somebody who is cordial, has a warm reception of visitors. It means to give practical help to anyone who is in need. Practical help to anyone who is in need. So you're friendly to even those you don't know. Friendly to those you don't know. I, I think that's a good place for us to start, right? Let me just encourage you with this. We do a really good job of this, I think, as a church. But we can excel still more in this, right? And specifically, if I may, so target one group of people, those who are more on the introverted side of things, who like to not greet people at all and are just happy just to be alone. Maybe this might be a little bit more difficult for you but I'm going to encourage you, as Peter does, to stretch your love, to open up and practice hospitality with just a warm welcome of those around you. Just a cordial, hi, how are you doing? Warmth. This person actually is investing in me. That's where you start. Just wrapping your mind around that. And I'm telling you, our church does this already. There is a reason why we ask of you to turn around and greet the person behind you or in front of you or to the left or to the right of you is because we want you to practice showing love in just a small way to those around you. We actually want to stretch you a little bit to welcome and to, and to open up a little bit with those around you. And some of you have even said to me, I'm so glad you do this because I got to meet so-and-so. We followed up with coffee and now we're actually good friends. Because you, pastor, you forced me to say hi to somebody. And others of you are like, this is my favorite time in the whole morning. I get to talk all the time to people. And I hate it when pastor gets up there and says, all right, find your seat. Right? We're all stretching ourselves in just this one area. And we do it specifically 
even to strangers. Yes, there are strangers among us, all around us. Not everybody knows everybody in this room. Not everybody knows everybody in the church. There are strangers, and we're friendly to them. We're warm to them. Why? We don't know. Maybe that person, maybe that, 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 uh, that person was in the workforce. Maybe they had a hard week. We have no idea. Everybody looks like they had a great week when they come to church, but you know what? That's not always true. In fact, most of the time, it's the other way. It's been a hard week, and we've been able to put ourselves together and come on a Sunday morning to church together, and we're just waiting for somebody to greet us and say, hey, how was your week today? How can I encourage you today? And we're encouraged to do that with people we don't know. Because it's a battle out there. And if we're really, again, if we're really going to pursue holiness, then we need to come into a place where there's warmth and love and encouragement, and we're pouring into one another in this way. And so it's a warm welcome. A cold, listen, a cold, unwelcoming church contradicts the gospel message. It contradicts the gospel message. It doesn't just stop then at, at just a warm welcome and then greeting, hospitality here, showing hospitality, would also mean bringing people into your home, offering them food, offering them shelter, offering them clothing. In fact, in New Testament times, showing hospitality was, was highly valued by Greek and Jewish cultures. It was a, a virtue of both of those cultures. And it was, as I said, absolutely necessary for the expansion of the gospel. Absolutely necessary for the expansion of the gospel as they would send out missionaries and they'd go all over into, into areas that the gospel had never been preached before. And they were dependent on other Christians to show hospitality. The gospel would not have been able to advance like it did without people opening up their home to strangers and showing hospitality to one another. They needed people to do that. They needed to come into a home where there was a gracious reception. It even happened too is there'd be people who would, who would sojourn to other lands where they would come to a home and that home would not only give them food and lodging and protection, but oftentimes it'd even give them a job, give them work in the field so that they could earn some money so they could move on to the next job. Isaiah 58, 7 says this, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And so this is what he says when he says this. This is all what he's talking about here. And we'll talk about who it's for, but I'll just give it away. This is in this context here. He's talking about the church. He's talking about one another, showing hospitality to one another. Giving practical help to those in need. And really, this is an example here. If we, think, if we really dive into what it means to, to be hospitable to one another, and what we're talking about here is, is exactly the gospel. If you look in Ephesians 2, chapter 11, or, or Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 19, he talks about us being alienated from God. Alienated from God, outcasts from God. And then through Jesus Christ, we, we become part of the family of God. In many ways, the ultimate form of hospitality 
Somebody who was alienated and separated from God and then brought into the family of God through Jesus Christ. This is also the standard for an elder. In both 1 Timothy 3.2 and in Titus 1.8, it says that an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. In Titus 1.8, it says the same thing, they're to be hospitable. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, a, a verse to note, it says this, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And so there is a piece of us that wants to completely stop showing hospitality, neglecting it altogether. And so we have to be, be careful of that. We have to be careful of that. The truth is this about hospitality, and even is so around having a meal together with somebody else, is that something unique happens in that relationship. There's something happens. I don't know, you get food on a table and just, like the whole conversation changes. I don't know why. There's just a warmth around a table, and that's the way God designed it to be. We invite people into our lives. We meet practical needs. We become an instrument of blessing when we do these things. Well, secondly, is this, the recipients. I guess if you want another A, it could be the address E. I just didn't sound right, so I went with recipients. It was really hard, though. Like, my, my pastoral mind was like, it's got to be an A. It has to be an A. If it's not an A, it just doesn't work. Well, the recipients. Who are the recipients? Well, look what it says. Show hospitality to one another. Who are the one another's? Well, this is the believers. It's the believers. Oftentimes, we think this when it comes to hospitality. It needs to be somebody outside of the church. It needs to be somebody that I like literally don't know, a stranger who basically just comes knocking on my door. Then I'm showing hospitality where Peter is saying this. No, you need to show hospitality within the church to one another. You need to get to know one another within the church. As we said, the church here has been ostracized by family and by friends. They're being persecuted. And we start there by saying, who within the church do I not know? Who can I get to know? How can we in some way get to know one another and encourage one another? As I said, strangers, even in this room, that we can be hospitable to. This is important for the gospel to be spread, important for the advancement of the gospel. Let me say this as well. It's important for the gospel today that we're hospitable to one another, that we encourage one another, that we open up our lives to one another, our hearts to one another, get to know one another, pour into one another. Because we don't wait for a pastor, an elder, a deacon, or a small group leader in this way. We find it the responsibility of every single Christian Someone defined hospitality that says this, someone has said that hospitality is the supernatural ability to entertain strangers and friends so that they feel welcomed and edified. Alexander Strzok in his book, Leading with Love, which is really a, uh, a book to, to leaders about how to, how to love within the church, he, he says these two things happen when a church takes seriously hospitality. He says this, hospitality creates a loving community. There's a warmth and a love towards one another. 
The ministry of hospitality is shown in fellowship and care, and it, it nurtures the body. Secondly is this, hospitality aids in teaching and discipleship. In a mysterious way, God uses mutual relationship between a host and a guest to instruct and encourage the people. You say, well, does hospitality have to be in my home? You say, I don't have much of a home. I, in fact, I don't know if I can have people over in my home. Can I still practice hospitality? And I just want to encourage you that, yeah, you can. It doesn't necessarily have to be in your home. It can be with just an encouragement to say, hey, maybe we can grab lunch together. Maybe we can grab dinner together. Maybe it won't be in our home, but it'll be around a table and you're pouring out your lives to one another and encouraging one another. And in some mysterious way, that God uses those conversations to edify the church, to edify one another. Number three is this. What's the attitude that we're to have? The character or the attitude that we're to have? It's to be done without, what does it say? Grumbling. Without grumbling. This word complaint is this, gagrusimus. It's one of those words that is also, the tone of it makes it sound like you're actually complaining. The word for complaint. Murmuring underneath your breath. What did you just say? I just said complain. <laughs> That's the word. It's a word that is said under our breath because we don't like the situation. It's an audible expression of an unwanted dissatisfaction. It's a scoff. It's grumbling underneath your breath. And Peter is saying, that's not the way to show hospitality to one another. Oftentimes this happens when guests may stay longer than you wanted them to stay. Maybe in-laws stayed longer than you wanted them to stay. It is the holidays. Maybe you're going to have in-laws over. It may be that they stay later at night than you wanted them to stay. And hospitality needs to stand firm in the true grace of God to carry out exactly what Peter is asking us to do, and that is to do this without any sort of grumbling at all. One person said this, some folks make you feel at home, others make you wish you were at home. Some folks make you feel at home. Others make you wish you were at home. And so there's our call, church. This is what we're, let me, I'm going to say it, okay? This is what we're required to do. This isn't one of the one and others that we get to say, I'll do all 30 of the others, but this one, I mean, 30 out of 31 is pretty good. Not in the pursuit of holiness. We pursue all these things and it stretches us. So let me give you here ways to get started. Let me give you some practical ways to get started. There's four things. How do I get started doing this? Number one is this. You have to discipline your personal and home schedule. 
got to discipline your own personal schedule because you, you, you could say immediately, I'm too busy. Okay, so this is a discipline issue for you. You got to discipline your home schedule. It has to take some sort of priority here. And if you're going to practice hospitality, you got to prioritize your days, your weeks. You got to leave, listen to this, you got to leave margin even in your day and week for the Lord to fill with an unexpected phone call that you need to go visit somebody who is sick. Or you need to leave the house or to go babysit on the fly or making room even in your schedule for crisis and showing hospitality that you've left margin in your day and in your week to be able to say, hey, in a moment's notice, I can be of help. That starts with prioritizing your own day and your own calendar. And I get it, there's seasons of life where, where, where there's busier than others, but the principle, the principle is you've got margin in your day and week to be hospitable. Secondly is this, you got to prioritize time for hospitality. Not just disciplining your schedule, this is different because now you set a date on the calendar and said, this day works for me to spend by pouring into somebody else. And you understand your calendar better than anybody else, so you know which days work and which ways don't. You've got some days that just absolutely won't work, and then you've got days that say, hey, this day could work. I want to prioritize, I'm going to set that side a day, or set aside that day, or set aside these couple days intentionally opening up your home, intentionally wanting to meet a new family, intentionally wanting to be a friend to strangers right within the church. Number three is this, make a list of those you want to invite. So now you've got a list of, hey, these are people. I just shook hands with this person. I told them I would follow up with an email. Okay, that's, that's, that's where we go. We've got a list now. We've got names. We just start working our way through the names, and you've got to be able to accept what? You've got to be able to accept a no. You've got to keep pressing on. Okay, they said no. Okay, off to the next person. Off to the next person because you really want to practice this in your life. So you make a list of those you want to invite. It may be this. It may be that you come to one of the pastors or the elders and you say, hey, do you know of anybody in the church that doesn't have a place to go for the holidays? Do you know anybody who is hurting right now? Do you know anybody who could just use a warm meal and a word of encouragement? I'd love to invite them into my home. That's a great thing to do. Talk to a small group leader. Talk to Dave or Joel or Jonah or myself or Shay. And so we know and so we can say, hey, there's, there's somebody that would love to invite you into their home or we can, we can pass a name along to say, hey, encourage this person. Okay, that's what the family of God does. And then number four is this. You got to have the courage to reach out. You got to start inviting. You got the list. You've got the time. You've disciplined your home schedule and now you start inviting And we watch God use you to be a blessing in somebody else's life in this unique way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this challenge. Just a short little verse. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. For many of us, we've been those who have received hospitality. And now you're encouraging us to turn around and show hospitality. So stretch us, Lord, in these ways where our faith needs to be stretched, where our love needs to be stretched, where we need to, to reach out, extend those muscles even more 
in this way. And I'm encouraged this church does such a good job. We do such a good job with this, Lord, but, uh, but we need to excel still more because there are wounded warriors out on the battlefield who just need someone to bring them in and encourage them. And so I pray that, that we would live in obedience to Scripture in this way and give us the grace we need to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.